Let's kick this off with a holistic mom weight loss truth bomb. Your weight is the last thing you need to worry about. Look, I get it. You want your body and energy back. You're anxious, stressed, sleep deprived, feeling unattractive and stretchy leggings that aren't quite stretchy enough. And it is a struggle to sift through all of the crunchy health advice out there. It feels overwhelming. (sighs) Deep breath, friend. I'm Kristen Noriega. As a registered dietitian, I've helped hundreds of women support their hormones, lose weight, and keep it off. We're going to get your hormones, gut, and body systems squared away. Once your body is working for you, the last piece of your health puzzle, your weight, is going to fall right where it's supposed to be. All right, friend, reheat your coffee, get ready to take some notes. It is time to thrive. All right, welcome to the Holistic Mom Weight Loss Podcast. I'm Kristen Noriega, registered dietitian nutritionist, mom of four, joined today by Sydney. Who are you, Sydney? Tell us. I'm Sydney Mostek, registered dietitian, exercise physiologist, and mom of two. Two, and they're twins. Mm-hmm. So today we are talking about gut health. And being that you're probably listening to this podcast because you're like, oh, weight loss, I need this in my life. Wait, why are we talking about gut health? So the thing you need to know before you keep listening is Sydney and I, yes, we want to support your weight loss goals, but we both fully believe that you have to get your body squared away before you can lose weight. And that is why we're here to help you through this process. So if that sounds good, stick around. Woohoo. <laughs> All right. We are here. So we're going to talk about what is your gut microbiome? What does it do? And how to optimize it so that you can improve your overall health and tackle this part of the puzzle and ultimately end up losing weight, feeling better, all the wonderful things. Right, Sydney? You got it. Okay. So, Sydney, what's your gut microbiome? Your gut microbiome is all these little guys that live in your large intestine, and it's like bacteria and viruses and yeast. And for the most part, we want those little guys to be friendly to us because there's trillions of them. You have more gut cells than you have body cells. So we want them to all be very friendly and they do all sorts of different things depending on what type they are. Right. We have, they affect your immunity, your weight. They contribute to specific diseases, inflammatory bowel disease, IBS. I mean, I've seen research that shows it's connected to type 2 diabetes. There's all sorts of downstream things, but right off the bat, you can affect your microbiome based on what you're eating. And like every decision you make affects your gut microbiome, which is really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And they affect the decisions that you make too, which is maybe even crazier. (laughs) Yes. So let's just jump right into the gut brain access. 
we've both just been like pouring through research and working on certifications and all this stuff because we're committed to serving our clients to the highest capacity possible. And as we're doing this, we've come across, not that we didn't know this, but it's we're solidifying what we know about this. <laughs> and we're also nervous to go like super sciencey on this. So bear with us. <laughs> and we're also just awkward people. So bear with us. Nice. Speak for yourself. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I was speaking about you. <laughs> okay. Fair. Fair. So the gut brain access is this concept that your nervous system is really integrated into your gut. And it has this crazy two-way path where your nervous system is affecting your gut and your gut health is affecting your nervous system. And so there's a lot of evidence that shows when your gut health is off, it affects depression, anxiety, your mood overall, as well as all those other diseases we've talked about. And so a lot of the moms that we see are like, oh, I'm tired and I'm anxious like crazy and I'm depressed, you know, and it's probably postpartum. It might be I'm not sleeping and there's all these factors. But one thing that really is just coming to our attention is this gut brain access. What are your thoughts on that, Sid? So they communicate through the vagus nerve, which is like a big nerve. And actually most at least half of the serotonin in our bodies are made in the gut. So when your gut health is off, serotonin is like one of those happy hormones or neurotransmitters. And if your gut health is off, you're not going to have the levels that your body needs to function well and feel good. Yeah. And when you're not feeling good, then you're living in this state of questioning what's wrong. So you're Mm -hmm. messing with your emotions and there's just a lot of things that just compile and compound on that and keep going and it's pretty crazy and so many people are emotional eaters too that when you're feeling funky you're just going to eat crazy right so one thing that one of these papers talks about is they do a lot of these studies in rodents because it's not ethical to do in human people a lot of times so They've taken rodents and they've raised them in a germ-free environment, meaning there is no bacteria, there's no viruses for them to be exposed to, to colonate their gut. And they find that they have a greater stress response to like a an external stressor. So if they're forced to run on a wheel, they have a bigger stress response than mice raised with access to germs. So the gut helps to mitigate your stress response to psychosocial stressors, like a hard day at work or a five-year-old that won't put his shoes on. (laughs) I don't know who that happens to, but... (laughs) Never me. (laughs) Yeah. And so if we're looking at a rat study, it can sometimes raise like a lot of questions like, well, how does that apply? You know, they're in a lab. Does that really translate into my situation? Because that's really what I care about is how I'm feeling and my my kids and my life and all these things. Well, in the, I think it might be the same paper. There's an image here of how mammals are creating their gut bacteria. 
And it has some arrows pointing at this lady. And it says environment, food, and water. And then there's a baby crawling. And another arrow pointing from mom to baby. And it says birth, kissing, and cuddling. And if we just take a second and step back and think, wait, did you just say birth, kissing, and cuddling can impact the environment in my child's gut? The answer is yes. <laughs> yes. Especially, I've seen a lot of information on C-section deliveries versus vaginal deliveries. If a baby doesn't pass through the vaginal canal, they're missing out on a lot of beneficial bacteria. Similar if they're formula fed versus breastfed, there's a lot of bacteria involved there. Um, there are some formulas that have probiotics added, so it's fine. But in general, breastfeeding provides better gut colonization. Yeah, totally. So breastfeeding, a vaginal delivery, and snuggles. And if you think about all of the modern products today, they're all designed to get your baby to be content without mom holding baby. They're all designed to rock baby to sleep without mom. So they're removing that connection and physical contact. So that's another barrier to our to building healthy gut biomes for our children, which is just outrageous. Modern times are crazy. Yeah. That's also not to say, though, that if you were born by a C-section or if you were formula fed without probiotics, your gut's not going to be completely messed up for your whole life. <laughs> There's still hope. Yeah, right. My first baby was a C-section. And whenever I, he was born, right as I was becoming a dietitian and learning some of this stuff. And I remember I was ridiculously racked with guilt. Like, oh my gosh, I ruined his whole life. And like, I had nothing to do with that. I did everything. <laughs> yeah. Take a breath. It's okay. Yeah. But still, it's like, there's so many things that once we start to uncover them, it's like, oh, I can't control that, but I can control this. So maybe we should dive into some of those things we can control. So you found, said two specific articles. One was looking at exercise and one was looking at diet. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to go first? Should we start with exercise? Sure. Because that's my favorite. Of course. <laughs> I knew you were going to pick it. <laughs> <laughs> so exercise and its effect on the gut microbiome is crazy. So some, again, there's so many different strains in there and they all do different things, but there are some gut bugs that produce different compounds. So BDNF is a brain-derived neurotropic factor and it helps with brain growth, neural development, cognitive performance, those sorts of things. So it helps with your memory and when you're learning things and that increases with exercise. And it's possible that that's because one strain in your gut that produces those things or helps produce it is increased. Exercise increases the diversity in your gut of different bugs, which is great because then everybody is doing a different job, right? I think of it like a construction site because I have five-year-old boys. Like you wouldn't just want a dump truck and a concrete mixer at a construction site or like a bunch of dump trucks, right? You need all the different trucks to do their jobs. So you want all the different gut bugs to be doing different jobs. And it increases the diversity so that they can do that better. It does tend to improve mood when you exercise, possibly because of that BDNF, possibly because of that serotonin, and possibly because 
more bacteria that produce short-chain fatty acids are in there, which help with your appetite regulation and your insulin sensitivity and even reduce your risk of heart disease and colon cancer. So exercise has all these really great outcomes on your health and so much of it could be controlled by your gut microbiome. Yeah. And I think if someone who's listening is like, I don't really know what all these things mean. I, I, <laughs> that's okay. I think the point is exercise helps. Exercise yeah. is beneficial. Do yeah. the movement. To like sort of summarize everything, there's this really nice graph in this paper. So it decreases symptoms of IBS if you have that. So bloating, pain, you know, discomfort generally. It improves your gut barrier decreases depression, anxiety, increases your ability to think and learn, and decreases your response to stress. Excellent summary. So that sounds pretty important and <laughs> <laughs> seems like it would have a major impact on your health aside from eat less, move more. Now we're talking specifically, you want to move your body because you're improving your gut health. Your gut health is going to affect Everything from mood to weight to potential for chronic diseases. So if we look at now the nutrition side of things, this is sort of, there's a lot of hot topics here <laughs> that we could pull out and touch on. Um, some of the main things that are jumping out at me is the discussion of prebiotics versus probiotics and how they are affecting the body. And so those are things we've all heard and we've all, you know, there's, do I need those from food? Do I need to spend $25 for 30 pills? Do I need to make my own sourdough bread? <laughs> what do I do? And it's kind of funny because I guess I would say that the evidence is just showing that there's still a lot of things to learn. However, the evidence is clear that when your diet consists largely of plants and includes a variety of things, including polyphenols and healthy fats, that your gut is going to thank you for that. And it will have a better microbiome than it will if you're only eating processed foods and meats. What's your take on this? I mean, I... The whole plant-based thing is so tricky for some people mm -hmm. because it's like, does that mean I'm vegetarian? <laughs> no, you just have to eat more plant foods. They have fiber and fiber is what feeds your gut bugs. That's what I call them. <laughs> uh, and they have more compounds that they need to thrive in there, which again, then they're going to reward you with better health on the other side. Yeah. For sure. One quote was, it says, although high protein, low carbohydrate intake may promote greater relative weight loss, this dietary pattern may pose a detriment to health. And that's because the study that they looked at saw that the high protein, low carbohydrate diet had altered gut bugs. <laughs> Is that what you said? Gut bugs? Uh -huh. gut, things. gut bugs. And so... All of this information that Sydney and I are reading and learning and sifting through and deciphering, it's affecting 
the advice we're giving our clients because I mean, we talk about protein all the time here on this podcast in one, like it's everywhere. Like you need high protein to lose weight. You absolutely do. But what is the impact on your gut? So I think what Sydney just said kind of brings that full circle. Like, sure, eat, eat your meat. You don't have to be vegetarian, but the vegetables and the things that you're putting on the plate need to make up a huge bulk of the plate and need to be varied and very nutrient dense. So one example I like to give is, let's say you say you're vegetarian and you're living off Cheetos, cheese pizza, ice cream. There's no meat in that. What else? We've got some chips. Oreos are vegan. And Oreos. Like, oh yes, you are nailing that vegetarian lifestyle because you're not eating the meat. However, you have a very, very nutrient deficient diet. So you can have the meat, in our opinion, (laughs) but you need other really, really, really good stuff to go with it. So if you're eating only processed foods, that is like the biggest red flag for all of this. And definitely getting more plant protein too. So replacing Mm -hmm. some of that protein from meat with plant protein will go a long way in supporting your gut health. Yeah, for sure. I didn't even mention that. That's a fantastic point. Plant protein. Mm, Yeah. High plant protein, perhaps. Maybe that's our new recommendation. (laughs) Another thing that jumped out at me, artificial sweeteners. So Mm -hmm. this is something that's everywhere. Like if you want to go buy a yogurt, the majority of consumers out there are probably buying an artificially sweetened yogurt and think this is great because it says no sugar. And the fact is that it is there's a lot of evidence to show that it's altering your gut microbiome on top of things like possibly contributing to increased sweets cravings this is impacting your gut and the majority of people who experience bloating and any sort of intestinal discomfort there can be I would say artificial sweeteners are a trigger for them. And so many of us live with this discomfort and don't even realize this isn't normal. And artificial sweeteners can be a huge contributing factor. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're trying to lose weight, so you go with the sugar-free option, right? Because there's no calories in it. But when you're adding all that other stuff, and you're doing it throughout the day, every day, right? To get your sweet hit without the calories. What are you doing in there? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the question. So every, all of these articles, all of the trainings we've done, everything ends with, there is more research needed. Mm-hmm. And that's always the case because nutrition science is so dynamic. It's not like A causes B, except in few cases, like the rat study we looked at. But A human is complex, very, very complex system. And tweaking one thing, there's always many, many other changes that come along with that. So that's why it's always going to be dynamic. And everyone has a different theory. And it's just about sifting through what will actually make the biggest impact, what's getting missed, what is the root cause of what you're actually experiencing. Because the number on the scale, that's not the main problem. That's the the reflection of what's going on. So we're here to help you figure out what the heck is going on. 
Yeah. And with weight loss too, you can improve your gut microbiome. There's all of these exercise studies. Most of the benefit was found when they found improvements in humans in people who lost weight and improved their fitness level. So lost fat, gained muscle, and improved their aerobic fitness. They're the ones who had the most positive change in their gut. Yeah. Okay. So what do you guys do? Let's recap. First of all, the gut microbiome is all the little bugs that live in your body, like your your gut health, your intestines start to finish. If it's dysregulated, if we have the wrong bugs in there, the wrong little microbes, microorganisms, whatever you want to call them, if you've got any sort of imbalance in their dysregulation, then you will probably be experiencing symptoms such as what, Sydney? Inflammation. Yeah. Maybe diabetes. Yeah. It's a, like an, a long-term outcome, right? You're not going to have yeah. it tomorrow if your gut's dysregulated today. Yeah. Um, you're going to have a greater risk of heart disease, depression, anxiety, yeah. low energy, maybe oh. some cognitive struggles, right? Like maybe your memory is going to be a little bit lapsy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And okay, I know we're recapping, but let's think for a second about like all the people who are in their like 60s, 70s, 80s right now. They have all been, for the most part, generalizing here, they've all been raised their whole lives on these processed foods. They are the generation that suffered the most. We're the generation that's reclaiming food. They're the generation that is dealing with all these outrageous chronic diseases early on in their lives, poor quality of health, declining cognition early in life, all of these things that if we want to bring it back to gut health for the sake of this conversation, perhaps their guts are completely dysregulated and have been their whole lives because mm-hmm. they eat and bless their souls. That's just the time they were raised in, our parents and you know aunts and uncles, but they've eaten from boxes and packages, everything. Sure. Just like animal protein. Yeah. And my dad, (laughs) going to a restaurant with my dad, it has to be like, if it's one of the fancier places, it's going to be steak because he claims he would rather have something that wants mood (laughs) over any other meat. (laughs) So that took me a second. Mood? 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 Mood. (laughs) It's beef. He's a Nebraska boy. It's beef. Every time. Right. And all of that, that generation and us for the beginning of all of our lives, I'm generalizing crazy here. Please be the exception. Please holler at us and be the exception. None of us were raised on grass fed meats, organic meats. It's all processed stuff. It's all got chemicals from runoff in the field. It's all just crazy synthetic and completely messing us up. So here's our little crunchy episode here (laughs) but we can do better and so to recap the things we need to do do you want to do those Sid need to exercise Mm -hmm. regularly Mm -hmm. ideally 150 minutes a week of like brisk walking I'm not telling you to get out there and run your little heart out every single day of your life don't do that if you don't like it but exercise eat lots of plant foods so many plant foods probiotics and prebiotics are going to come in the form of like fermented food, ideally. So you don't have to pay $30 for those 
eight pills. Yep. The things like yogurt, kombucha, fermented vegetables, and then prebiotics will be the vegetables that you eat on your plate to feed them. Yep. Lots of fiber. So much. And then like in real foods, real vegetables, real fruits, they have loaded with fiber. If you're covering your bases with lots of fruits and veggies, your fiber's set. You're getting the stuff you need to support your gut, add in some fermented foods, and stick around because Sydney and I are losing our minds over fermented foods lately. And things all the things real crunchy. It's not going to get less crunchy as we go. <laughs> so we're both making sourdough. Sydney's got kombucha. I've got some fermented veggies that I have six- <laughs> I have been working on over here. Multiple rounds of that. Anything else over there? <laughs> no, I'm thinking about trying to ferment, but I might have to wait a minute. My husband might think I'm going crazy. Oh, mine mine absolutely thinks I'm going crazy. Yeah. I've gotten rid of all the plastic in my kitchen. <laughs> We've all sorts of things, but those will be yeah. unfolded in other episodes. More to later. come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. So here's to gut health. I hope you enjoyed this. Thank you for being here with us. And coming up over the next couple months, we're going to just be diving in hardcore to topics like this, things that are affecting your health that you don't even know about. And looking also at some current hot topics and things that might be circulating around social media that we just kind of want to debunk and get rid of, sort through, sift through. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. You'll probably be hearing from both of us live quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. it's fantastic <laughs> it's gonna be it is it's gonna be fantastic all right you guys have a good one bye before you go i'm gonna challenge you to share this episode with a friend or any episode that has been super meaningful for you imagine if you shared it with a friend and she shared it with a friend and then we've changed the narrative of our generation and that of our children women who love their bodies and are treating them well. That is what you can do by sharing this episode. So you can click the little arrow button or take a screenshot and text it to your friends. It's going to have crazy, crazy impact. Are you with me? I hope so. Thanks for listening.